you're planning to launch a tech startup or build a tech product from scratch, this episode is for you. In today's episode, let us chat with Bill Bolden. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the guiding voice for a better future. Folks, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Through the Guiding Voice, we enable conversations that matter, conversations that add value to your life and to your career. And through the Guiding Voice, we enable successful leaders across the globe to share their knowledge and wisdom with the world so that our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into the Guiding Voice podcast than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for joining me today and we are extremely pleased to have Bill Bolden, part of our journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Bill, hearty welcome to The Guiding Voice and I'm super excited to have you join me today. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much, Naveen. So Bill, without further ado, let's get into the topic and maybe you can briefly share your career journey with our audience to begin with. Sure. Um, I've been a developer for about 20 years. I started at a startup in 2000 and, um, well, I worked IT support during college, but in 2007, I got my first developer job. Uh, I worked there for seven years and then I became CTO of another startup where I worked for four years. Then I kept moving from startup to startup, always pre-seed, always in this zone of a brilliant founder has an idea for an app and they want me to be the one who builds the app. So I started honing in on that. But a couple of my startups kept running out of capital. I had a series of two in a row that I got full-time employment at, and then I was on the job market again in two months. So I started saying, maybe I don't need to be full-time if I'm working on these zero to one gigs. And maybe um, I can start to become what I'm terming a fractional CTO. And so that's where I started telling people, hey, you don't hire me full-time. You don't bring me on full time because all you need is a product launched. I'll do that in two months and then move on. And now I'm the fractional CTO of between six and nine tech startups, depending on how you count. Fractional CTO. This term sounds so interesting. And yeah, I think you rightly mentioned you don't have to be full time employed in order to build a product. And uh, in fact, I would say you are fortunate to be part of several zero to one startup journeys. Right. So in this in this process. What did you learn? Like, what are the top three things that have helped you to be successful professionally? Well, I would say the biggest one is learning to define the MVP downward. So when a founder comes to me, they've got in their head and in their heart a finished piece of software, something that looks and feels like Uber or Airbnb. But those things have spent millions or tens of millions on development. That's what finished software looks like. I need to educate the founder and teach them, no, what's your one core proposition? The one thing your piece of software does that's special. Let's build a piece of software that just does that, fill in the gaps later, start market testing your idea now. Um, That brings me to the second major piece of advice I've received that's helped me, which is to try to validate product market fit before you build your full-fledged product. A lot of people take a if-you-build-it-they-will-come approach where they imagine that just because they make a new app that does thing XYZ, the world will beat a path to their door. But that's not always true. And there's a lot of different techniques I know for proving that people are willing to pay for XYZ before you sink a hundred grand into developing an app that does it. 
And it's better to prove that out beforehand, not after. And then the third thing that uh, has probably helped me the most is not being afraid of people stealing ideas. Ideas, I get presented with three or four new startup ideas every day. And people want to make me sign NDAs. And I say, what would I do with a 10th startup? I'm not going to steal your idea. Um, but what I, what I also say is, what is it about your execution that no one else can steal? So you think you have a million-dollar idea. I'm more interested in hearing about your million-dollar execution. And that I can't take. Uh, defining the minimum viable product, validating the product market fit, and not being afraid of stealing ideas. And I concur with you on the execution part. Because if we look into any product idea... At times we think, okay, I had this kind of idea way back, but uh, somebody else has implemented, right? So execution definitely matters. Bill, I'm really curious, as a fractional CTO working for so many different startups and all, are there any toughest lessons that you have learned being part well, of this journey? I actually have a talk I give called Seven Startups, Seven Lessons, which I made this talk about a year ago when I was only seven startups in. Not now when I'm over a dozen startups. In that talk, some of my seven lessons from seven startups is your first customers are your true believers and it's okay to charge them a lot of money. So founders have this need for a dopamine hit where they're on a call and they really want someone to say, yes, I will use your product. And sometimes they're really afraid they'll lose on price. Like if they say like, well, it's a hundred dollars a month, then the person will be like, oh, I can't afford that. And then they don't get that hit of racking up a new user. So I, I encourage them though, to say, if your product is doing one thing extremely well and someone needs that problem solved, it's okay to charge a lot. That's a lesson I've learned at startup after startup after startup. Another lesson I've learned is that you need to have someone on staff at the startup who has 10 or 20 years of experience in the field you're addressing. So a lot of people come to me with ideas for an idea they had thinking they can disrupt a market they know nothing about. And um, somebody comes to me and they're like a blockchain enthusiast and they're like, hey, we'll build a blockchain for real estate sales or something. And I'll say, then show me the person on your team who's been a realtor for 20 years, who knows the ins and outs of that. And I won't work for a team that doesn't have that person. You need someone who's close to the problem. That's wonderful. So first customers are your true believers and then somebody who is close to the product and who knows in and out of it, right? So these are two essential things. Now, moving to my next question, core of today's topic, right? Having experienced launch of so many products, being part of a journey of several startups and all. So what will be your advice in terms of how to launch a tech startup? That's a, that's a great question. The thing you start with is validating product market fit before you sink any money into development. So this comes back to my earlier point. You have to find a way that you can pilot your idea and don't just look for feedback like, oh, I could see myself using that. That's what people say when they're being polite. If people are really interested, they'll ask questions like, how soon does this come out? How much is this going to cost me? Will it integrate with my Slack or Salesforce? That shows that a person is in the mindset of already envisioning themselves using your product. And that is the first step to launching a tech startup. Then you need to do mood boards with a UI UX design. That's a key step is doing mood boards so that you're not still haggling 
colors and fonts while you're making wireframes. Then you make wireframes. Then you talk to me or someone like me in order to get a quote or an estimate for what it's going to cost to build. You fundraise off the wireframes you've built. And then after you fundraise off the wireframes you've built, you build your MVP, which in my experience, if you followed all these steps, will cost you between 50 and 300 grand across two to six months. Great. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about the ideas, validating ideas without having to sink money into development. Recently, I came across one product, okay, wherein somebody can actually determine the pricing of a particular product before it is launched into the market. I'm trying to recall the site name, but wherein you can actually showcase your product and play with various pricing options and come up with with an analysis in terms of how much customers are willing to pay for your product, right? So I, I love that idea. Likewise, what will be your take in terms of validating ideas without having, without getting into the investment? Yeah, so the best way to do it is to use what are called no-code tools. And I'm going to name off 10 of them rapid fire. Just um, these can all be glued together to make a very simple solution that you can manually launch your startup with. So do something like make a site on Webflow and then have it so that on that Webflow site, people fill out a form that's a type form. All those type form results are going to an air table of potential customers. You're manually emailing those customers and following up and meeting with each of them or performing your service for them. You're using a payment processor like Square or Stripe to invoice them. And you're using something like Twilio to send text messages at scale. Um, you can also use SendGrid, Auth0, SurveyMonkey, Notion, there are so many no-code tools out there, and all you need to know is how to glue them together. So a perfect example, somebody came to me with an idea for an app that was sort of like a task rabbit. It was an app for running a certain errand around town that this person never wanted to have to run again. I told them, instead of building an app that summons someone to run the errand for you, what you're going to start by doing is building out a web flow for your service that gets this errand you're going to have a type form where people fill out the errand they need run. And then you're going to get texted every time someone fills it out, and you're going to go run that errand for them yourself. That way, you're going to prove that people are willing to pay for this. And then when you're getting so many requests for running this errand that, that you're drowning in them, then we talk about building an app for it. But in this way, if no one ever signs up or, or uses your service, you'll already know, oh, well, nothing would have changed if I'd had an app. And you just saved yourself on your brain. Yeah, quite uh, interesting. I, I would request you to share that list with me so that I'll put it in the show notes and for ready reference and all because it was difficult to catch uh, hold of all those terms. But yeah, I could make a note of a few of them. Uh, one is uh, Typeform and then Twilio, SendGrid, Notion and all. But yeah, audience, you can refer to the show notes for the further details and all. And uh, Bill... I'm I'm also curious to understand what is the biggest mistake that uh, startup founders are making these days. I think it's assuming the world will be the path to their door just because they had a good idea. I've said it before in this call already, but the idea is worth very little. The execution is everything. And when I talk about product market fit, 
I'm less impressed by the product than I am the market. So when, when a founder comes to me and tells me they have an idea for a product, I say, yes, that idea is great. Your product sounds fantastic, but tell me about the market for it. Is it, do you know who your ideal customer profile is? Do you know what they're willing to pay? Do you know how often they're willing to pay? Are they searching for solutions to this problem? And then I'm impressed because then I start to see the signs of the execution tape. How will you build this? How will you sell it? There's no product without a marketing and I, I make founders tell me their marketing plan, you know, before we get into building the product, because I have to see how it's going to get into people's hands. So I would say this, if you build it, they will come mindset is definitely the biggest mistake I see startup founders. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. We have to do the real market analysis before getting your hands dirty and all right. And don't have too much of expectations. That's my takeaway. Now, moving to my next question, since you served as a CTO and you are still serving as a fractional CTO for many companies and all, and you must be playing with so many tech stacks, right? So what are the tech stacks that lets you start fast and scale fast? Right now, I'm really big on serverless lambdas hosted at AWS. I build all my startups on serverless lambdas, hosting them on AWS, because they scale so well. If a million people use your site overnight, it'll spin up a million containers for you and you'll be billed appropriately. But there are no servers that can go down and crash or get hacked or get compromised. For front ends, I'm really liking Next.js hosted on Vercel as a very quick way to get front ends spun up fast. I like React a lot for front end development and I like using either Bootstrap or Material UI as a design library so that you don't have to spend too long making custom components before you start building your things. For databases, I really like Airtable when you're starting small. I like DynamoDB and Postgres. All of these are very scalable solutions. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for sharing that information. And when it comes to certain products, right, certain elements or certain components, if I may call it, and you have two options. Either you build yourself or you buy. So how do you make decisions on buying versus building the technology? At a very early stage startup, when we're going from zero to one, when we're going from idea to MVP, you want to be buying as much as you can and building almost nothing. Most common problem programming problems have been solved by a different startup. So for sending emails that you know will make it into people's inboxes and not get marked as spam, there's SendGrid. For sending text messages that you know will arrive at people's phones, there's Twilio. For managing usernames and passwords so that you don't have to store them yourself, which is a big security risk, there's Auth0. I believe that you should build your secret sauce. You should build out the thing that makes your startup unique. Like if you're um, building a new Airbnb, then your algorithm for recommending homes is what you should be spending all your development time. And everything else, like emailing the customers, instead of having to build your own chat engine for chats, just integrate Comet Chat. Instead of processing payments yourself, use Stripe or Square. You should be building, buying all these things for $100 to $300 a month instead of paying a developer, where that only pays for an hour of their time. To, to build out something similar. Wonderful tips. And moving to the next one, what are some common pitfalls that these startups fall into? 
I would say that the number one thing I've seen kill startups after launch is um, being driven too much by individual customers. So letting large customers be the tail that wags the dog, as they say. Um, You need to be listening to your customers in aggregate. You need to be listening to them with data and saying 75% of customers want this and not, oh, our biggest client wishes it integrated with Salesforce. Then you wind up spending two months on a Salesforce integration. They're the only one who ever uses it. All this dev time that could have been spent listening to the market is being spent on one big fat account. Um, sometimes it's necessary to make ends meet and make the revenue. But uh, I've, I often see customers get too caught up in satisfying one key anchor point. Makes sense. And now talking about the time management aspect as well as uh, multitasking, there are so many elements of being a fractional CTO, right? So you said you're now working for over a dozen companies as a fractional CTO. How do you manage things? Well, context switching is a challenge. Context switching is definitely hard. So the way I manage it is that I only have one account in the hot zone at a time. So when I start a new fractional CTO project, I clear my schedule for about two months because I'm going to be hiring out a dev team, making their infrastructure, documenting. It's going to be almost like a full-time job for that client for two months. Then I taper off. And it's like, okay, I've taught all the devs how to run stand-ups. I've taught them how to use ClickUp or Monday or Jira. Everyone is in a little pipeline where the feature requests show up in the backlog and then they get done and then they get deployed. You don't need me so much anymore. So I go down to like half time with this. Then I go taper off more and more until at about the six-month mark, I've gracefully made my exit and I've built something that can live on without me. So at that point, I recede into break glass in case of emergency. Uh, And I am only to be contacted in the case of a catastrophe. And so at any given time, I have like one client in the hot zone, two or three in the tapering down zone, and then four to 10 that are in the, call me if the site goes down. That's an excellent strategy and uh, definitely useful for those who want to juggle between multiple things. Thank you for sharing your secret sauce. And uh, with that, um, let's move to a quick rapid fire round because we have been talking a lot about uh, startups, technology space and all. Let us lighten up mood of our audience. So with your consent, I'll kick off a quick rapid fire round, Bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the rapid fire questions. Wonderful. So can you share with our audience what was your childhood fantasy? It was to be a music producer and a DJ, which has come true because I am. Wonderful. Yeah. Very few people get an opportunity to live their childhood fantasy, right? Yeah. I've been asking this question to over uh, 150 guests and I think this might be like third or fourth instance where they're living their childhood fantasy along with uh, their day job. Wonderful. So moving to my next one, what is one best piece of advice that you have received so far? I alluded to it earlier in this podcast, but it's that people will steal your idea. So make it so they can never steal your execution. Mm-hmm. Be prepared for people to steal your idea, but make it so that the execution can't be stolen and then you don't have to worry. Anymore. Yeah, that's such a profound advice. And uh, moving to the next one, and I'm really, really curious about this one because being a CTO, you get a chance to solve multiple problems and all and you experiment and explore multiple tech stacks 
programming language and all. So what is your favorite technology or programming language? I really like Node.js and I really like Node.js in combination with serverless lambdas. They're a match made in heaven. Node.js along with serverless, yeah. In fact, we have experimented the serverless technology a bit and looks like it has huge potential. And it is picking up steam and gathering momentum nowadays, right? Yes, it's really a wave of the future. Yeah, and uh, moving to my next one, what is the worst invention or innovation that you think has happened in the technology space or name a crap gadget? Um, I haven't had too much experience with crap gadgets. I use most of my gadgets, but I will say that as a musician and an EDM producer, I have bought synthesizers before and never opened or used them. I am guilty of having bought some very pricey synthesizer machines that then I never even got around to turning on and I resold. So um, they're not the worst tech gadgets, but I just keep coming back to using Ableton Live for everything. Spot on. Moving to the last one for the rapid fire. What is the fantasy gadget that you like to see or invent yourself? Fantasy gadget is something AI driven that you can plug into your brain, think about a song, and it would be able to write that song. And I think we're not far away from it. But sometimes (laughs) I'm working on a song and I really just want it to sound a certain way. And I don't want to have to write all the musical parts to get it to sound that way. I want to just be like, why can't it sound like what I have in my head? So that's my fantasy gadget. <laughs> Quite interesting. All right, that was an interesting rapid fire. And with that, let's flip back to the mainstream. And before I let you go, Bill, uh, I, I, ha- I want to ask a different question this time. Uh, typically, I ask uh, what is one uh, piece of advice to those aspiring to make begin their careers. But uh, since you are a hardcore technologist, I would like to seek your tips so that our audience can learn immensely from it what will be your tip for those who want to learn contemporary technologies and keep up with the pace of advancement in various tech stacks i would say be aware of what the most popular languages are in the market and tailor your resume to those languages so you have the widest variety of jobs to choose from there are a lot of languages that are extremely cool and extremely powerful but they just aren't that popular. And um, I know I'm going to make a few enemies when I say this, but something like Scala or Haskell or Elixir, those are all very powerful languages, no shade, but there's only so many jobs you can get in those industries. And so if you go real hard in Node.js, Python, or Java, you're going to be able to choose from 20 to 30 companies when you interview instead of one to two. So I would say um, work in the mainstream. And then my other piece of advice is to design the career you want for yourself. Nobody came to me and made me a fractional CTO. There isn't some job I applied for that said you're a fractional CTO now. I had to engineer my own future in order to design this role for myself so that I could do it and really invent the job for my own self. And so I encourage you to be brave and be bold in seeking out the career that you truly want. Wow. Engineer the role for yourself. This is such a powerful advice. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of this conversation, Bill. Thank you so much for being part of our journey. And uh, thank you for making time and sharing your insights. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. So, folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from. If you have already subscribed, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. All right. Now, let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. And today's trivia is about some technology projections. We have spoken about uh, uh, Bill's secrets of being a fractional CTO and how to keep oneself up to date and what kind of programming languages one should focus and all. I would like to present a few projections in the technology space as part of today's trivia. You know, the number one is uh, the cloud computing market is projected to reach $832.1 billion in the next three years. And by 2026, the spending on artificial intelligence is predicted to increase to $310 billion. And the remote desktop software market will reach $4.7 billion by 2027. And by 2025, IT executives expect 30% of the businesses' workload will reside in the cloud. And about 28% of them will be in the public cloud. In fact, 81% of all the enterprises will have a multi-cloud strategy in the next three years. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me. And before I let you go, one more request. In case if you have any topic recommendations or speaker suggestions, please feel free to reach out to me on social media or email us at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. Thank you so much in advance. Friends, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest.